You ready, Justin? I'm ready. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, let's stand on up. Let's go home. Stand again. is not what it was meant to be 
all this pain, all this suffering. There's a better place waiting here for me in heaven. Every tear will be wiped away. Every sorrow and sin erased. Dance on seas of amazing grace In heaven, in heaven I'm going home where the streets are golden Every chain is broken Oh, I want to go Oh, I want to go home Where every fear is gone I'm in your open arms Where I belong turning back thank god almighty i'll be free at last in heaven in heaven now i'm going home where the streets are golden every chain is broken oh i want to go oh i want to go home where every fear is gone i'm in your open arms where Every chain is broken. Oh, I wanna go. Yeah, I wanna go home. Every fear is gone. I'm in your open arms where I belong. God with all your what? Your soul, your mind. All right. Let's go. One, two, three. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Let's hear it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. 
into the bridge. I will love you. And I want to hear it. I'm going to say, I will love you. And you're going to go what? You're going to go what?
How great is God's love? How great is God's love? It's awesome, and that's what we're going to talk about today.
Thank you, Jesus, that everything that you give to us is more than enough and that your love extends to every ounce of any area of our sorrow. Um, God, we just praise you. And I just pray that today we will come to understand what it means to love you and this this crazy love that um, you have given to us that we can display it in the world. And so, God, um, the rest of this time is yours. Um, and wherever we are right now, just help us focus on you. And we give you praise in Christ's name. Everybody says. All right, at this time, our children go to our Sunday school ministry. Everybody else say hello to somebody around you. Test, test, test. My own. I turn myself off. There we go. Good morning. morning. How is everybody today? Good. Good. Like this fall weather? It's awesome. Okay. Like some of that? Very good. Um, All right. Okay. Um, All right. So first thing I want to do is welcome anybody who's visiting here today, um, and then welcoming anyone who is visiting online as well, Um, whether it's through our app or through online or through Facebook Live. We're just glad that you're all here. And if you're here um, present, that means you're here. Um, We're glad that you're here, and hopefully you'll... um we have, we have a small gift for you. Thank you for being there. If it's the uh, first time you've checked in or you've never replied, it's really kind of neat to hear some people responding um, online and, uh, and also people that um, are here that are going ahead to um, connect. So um, that's good. Just welcome. Uh, and if you are here, we do have a gift for you. And if you'll, um, you maybe received a card, you'll take that to the back. And um, we're glad to have you connect. And you can take that wonderful gift that I made myself. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> with you, okay? Um, Okay, you can see um, our, our church-wide study, we are in week uh, three um, of, and this is actually like sermon four-ish, um, of Crazy Love, and today's, today's title of the sermon is, sort of, kind of, all right, um, this is Crazy Love, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, more so we're going to talk about the love of God. You can also check out the information about Stephen Ministry, um, that you can see that information there, um, they're, they're uh, working and, and rolling along. Also, Trunk or Treat. Trunk or Treat will be um, next Sunday evening, and if uh, that's coming up quick, can you believe that? The 29th of October is coming up very quickly. Um, pretty soon we'll be uh, decked in mistletoe and holly and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, what we want to make sure is that um, we have about 10 trunks now. Um, Dana said she'd like to get more, so if you'd like to participate in that, please go ahead. And I think, aren't there some clipboards that didn't get up front today or something? I'm not sure. Um, if we can get them, start them. Start them from the back, and we'll make them go up. We'll do a reverse today. That'll work. All right? Um, and if you'd like to be part of that and you're part of our online church, just go ahead, and you can send information um, online to those as well. Um, I'm going to talk about Operation Christmas Child in a bit. Um, there is also, I think um, we've got some other things. We're doing the Thanksgiving box boxes, and um, we're rolling along there. Um, the goal for this year is to fill 75 boxes um, with people in the community. So um, we really love for people to connect uh, there as well. And what? They aren't up front, but they're coming this way. Are they? 
Oh, there is one. Okay, so the clipboards are getting passed if you'd like to um, give to that. And if you'd also like to help, I know we do collection days at Walmart, which are really an awesome blessing. Um, I, I saw Donna speak about it last week. Um, so, um, so that is good. We want to make sure you go ahead and do that. I saw that because I wasn't here. I was watching online. Um, Paris, our next Parish Foundation is November 19th. That seems far away, but it is not. Um, so uh, quarters for linens, we have those that we're giving to help um, people uh, for washing sheets and comforters of the beds for the homeless that we have. So if you'd like to contribute to that, that would be awesome as well. Um, and you can see the information about the Havens Helping Hands Thanksgiving Drive. Now, when we talk about Operation Christmas Child, you also have an insert. And it is Natalia, right? Okay, Natalia is here with us today. And um, she is going to share with you a little bit of her story. You can come on up. Here she is. I met her very briefly as I was running from point A to point B. And she's going to share a little bit of story um, from a personal perspective for Operation Christmas Child. So let's welcome Natalia. Uh, Hi, my name is Natalia. And uh, very nice uh, seeing you all here. And um, so I like one fact. I like to start with the fact that actually uh, there are... um, Four million, uh, more than four million people, of more, more than four million uh, children under 15 in Africa uh, that live there, and there is less uh, people, like three million, 300 million uh, people in the United States. So, if all of you donate, if the whole United States donates one box, it still wouldn't cover. Uh, the children under 15 in Africa. And uh, apart from Africa, there are other countries. Like, I'm not from Africa, and <laughs> obviously, and uh, I still got my shoebox uh, when I was nine. Uh, I have an accent, and probably some of you can guess where, at least which part of the world I'm from. Any, I mean, if you know, probably <laughs> you know, but if you... Huh? Very close. Uh, I'm from Belarus. Uh, it's one of the countries that was uh, in a former Soviet bloc, and it's on the it's the western point of Soviet Union. So Belarus uh, is the country that was first invaded by the Nazi. So it was the first the, the western border of the Soviet Union. So I'm from Belarus. It's 10 million people. It's a lovely country. I love my home. I go there twice a year. My family's there. But how did I get my shoebox? So, of course, back in the days, the logo, this logo didn't even exist. It was 1994. And um, I was in church, and um, I grew up... uh, Let me tell you a little bit about my family. So, my father was a communist, and my mom was um, a regular Soviet citizen. And she was not a believer. And they had two children, and um, my parents were already... Older, my mom was 37, my dad was 42, and my mom got pregnant. And um, it wasn't common to have more than two children in the Soviet Union. Like, two children was an average kid number. And my mom uh, was considering abortion. Her doctors pressed her to do this. They said, the health is not good. Your kids can be sick, can be under development. And uh, back in the days, there was no ultrasound. So she had no idea that she's going to have twins. And so my, my mom on the delivery table found out that she had twins, two more girls. And so I was one of them. And uh, my mom said that if not for us, she would never become Christian because through that experience that when she needed help the most, the people from the church were assisting her and serving her. 
And that was the only way how she saw God's love in her life. My dad never became a believer up until today. He was like, you know, I'll take you to church, but I'll stay away. And he will drive back. He was in a party and he actually was not even allowed to be married to a person who was Christian. But somehow they survived the marriage, even though my mom became and my dad didn't. And um, so being a twin, obviously I didn't have much things for myself. Uh, well, the family of four children was not very doing very well financially, so everything I had we shared with my twin sister. Like we had the same bed, the same desk, the same clothes, the same things. We never had things that were like just mine or just her. And so when I was in church that day, um, I saw this pile of boxes. And back in the days, they were just uh, wrapping them in a very colorful paper. And in 80, like the beginning of 90s was still pretty gray there. Like right now colors are appearing, but back in the days, the clothes, the buildings, everything was more of a standardized color, like white, black, gray, blue. And you didn't really see much colors. And I remember this like pile of colors and uh, they were giving to children. And uh, I remember I was standing in the line and waiting for my box to be handed to me. And what I saw, there were children unwrapping their boxes right in front of me. And all I wanted is a Barbie. Like, all I wanted is a Barbie. Barbie was like everything. I could like trade everything for that Barbie at that point. And I remember there was a girl, like a little girl opening. And her whole box was just a Barbie with clothes. I was like, wow, this is like, this is a dream. You know, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, I never got a Barbie. But uh, but interestingly enough, when I pack now, I always put a doll there. Because that's how I felt. I was like, the girl must have had a Barbie or at least some sort of a Barbie, you know. But there were many things that I really, like when you open the box, the, the thing that strikes you the most first is colors. Colors, like from that box. Hair ribbons, uh, other things. Like everything is just colorful. And uh, I don't know if you want to voluntarily ask, what is your favorite thing that you like to put in your shoebox, that you put in every shoebox? Toothbrush. Crayons. Here you are. That was what I got. Ah. This new plastic box. Those are my crayons. Well, it's not the same crayons, obviously. But I can tell you why it was so special for me. Well, first, you didn't have to sharpen them. And I've never seen pencils that you don't have to sharpen. And second of all, there was a whole box of like 32 or 48 colors. And that didn't even exist. All pencils I've had before were like 8 colors or 12. So when you get those things that are very colorful you really start to think, not differently, but in a way that sparks your imagination and your creativity. And another thing that I found very interesting in my box, up until today, I still don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? You know, I opened that box, I opened the package, I opened this thing, there was instructions, I took dictionary, I translated everything, still no, made no sense to me what to do with that thing. <laughs> Up until today, I know I've been living here for eight years, I still don't know what it's for, but 
I want to encourage you to put something very extraordinary in your boxes because that really sparks your um, imagination of the child. First of all, sparks, what is it? Like, what is something unfamiliar, something that you never saw before, something that you never imagined, envisioned? Like, I think I used it even a very different purpose than it should be for. <laughs> I don't even know what I did with this. I think I made a ball out of it and tried to, like, bounce it. I, you know, but I think it was very interesting to understand that when you put something and it has no... For you, it's obvious. Every kid knows what it is. For them, they have no idea. They've never encountered with that reality before. So for them, it's very something very, very new. And so I really want you to, when you pack, think about something that you want to, wanted to have as a child. Like me, Barbie doll. You know, that was all I wanted. Or something that you, your kids would enjoy, something what neighbors would enjoy. And put something a touch of yourself, something that describes you, something that is yours. And I think that's very important because the minute you make it personal, that makes a whole new difference into, into your life and into the life of that child. And um, so uh, I really, I, I, first of all, I want to thank you all for doing what you're doing because, I mean, if you wouldn't do it, people like me or children like me wouldn't receive it. Like that box was my first box ever that was my gift, not my twin sister. It was my own gift. And my twin sister had her own box. So that was our first gift that we did not have to share, that I didn't have to give to her. And of course, eventually, you know, you start to trade things. She got this, I got that. But it was mine. And no one could tell me this was not mine. So maybe those children, for the first time in their life, received their own first present. Something that they don't have to share with their siblings. Something they don't have to share with the community. And when it's yours, you really hold on to this. Because when you're little, what do you really have? Not many things. At least I didn't have many things. But again, this... Every uh, item, you still, years after, you remember almost everything. You remember the brush that you had for your hair. You remember the toothbrush with the mermaid. You really remember everything that you got. So, you know, so I would like to thank you again for what you're doing. And uh, if, if I may, can I... Uh, I always try in the end to pray in my own language. Is that Okay. My own language is Russian, by the way. In Belarus, everybody speaks Russian. So this is the language that uh, I speak. This is my native language. Mm -hmm. Дорогой Господь, спасибо тебе большое за этих людей. Господь, спасибо тебе за эти сердца, которые служат тебе, которые делают для тебя такую милость. Господи, благослови их, Господь. Благослови их финансово. Благослови их дома, Господь. Благослови их все семьи, Господь. Просто дай им радость и мир, Господь, и жить только для тебя. Thank you so much. And um, if you have any questions, I'll be there. It was nice being in, it's nice being in your community. The, uh, the awesome thing about that is uh, Natalia reminds us that it's not just a box that we go ahead and pack. Um, it's, it impacts a life forever. You know, and so, um, and she shared with us today. So we're really grateful for her coming here and sharing today. So um, years passed. I, you know, last year I threw out a number. I just threw it out there, and you, we exceeded it. It was 320, and this year people were pressing me for it. And God just told me not to. Um, God said he wants a cheerful giver. And so um, I'm not setting the bar. You are, okay? Um, 320 was last year, and 
Too much is given, much is required. Too much is given, much more is demanded. And we can do exceedingly more in Christ Jesus. So it's your job to figure out exceedingly more, not mine. All right? Does that sound like a plan? All right. Okay. Awesome. Okay, we have some prayer requests today. Uh, Jamie is wishing Dakota a happy 14th birthday. All right, Dakota? Filled with love and joy. I know Janet McCusker had one yesterday. All right. And Katie's not here today, right, Katie? And, oh, she's in Sunday school? Uh, Katie had a, had a big birthday, right? I, th- I think it was like a... I know. Less than my big, but anymore. But um, Katie uh, Atkins had a birthday as well. So there were just some of those that I reminded me of. Robin Hildebrand has asked for prayers for um, my daughter's uh, boss, um, Linda, and husband, who have lost their 19-year-old son um, to suicide on Friday. So we want to lift them up in prayers, definitely. June has a praise. It's always good to have a praise. And June's test showed that she does not need heart surgery at this time. So she's very thankful. We could could have told them your heart was so big and great that they didn't need to do anything to it right now. Um, Any other prayers that we can touch on right now? Yes. Oh, birthday here, all right, 39, good, good job, Bob, okay, all right, no, it works for me, all right, anybody else, yeah, okay, so um, Kathy is having a tumor removed, anyone else, okay, all right, um, my thing, I just want to thank Debbie for pre- uh, preaching last week, she did an awesome job, and um, it was great. So, all right. Um, so let's go to Lord in prayer now. How about that? Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we just once again just are so grateful um, for all the love that you give to us. Everything, um, all the love that we're unworthy of, your spirit just flows down and just fills us with this incredible um, love that you give to us. And so, God, right now as we uh, come to this point, we, uh, we want to lift up. Um, I, I just want to pray for the uh, boxes that we're going to gather in the next few months and years that we recognize that this is uh, life-changing for many, many people. I thank you for birthdays and for celebrations like that. I thank you for great news um, from doctors that just um, solidify the whole fact that, God, you are at work. Um, God, I, I just want to also pray for those who experience loss, um, loss from the tragedy of a suicide or Loss from, um, from accidents and just senseless death and, and destruction that exists in our world. And yet, God, um, in the midst of all this, we have your love and your, your, your favor and your, your Holy Spirit that guides. And yet, sometimes it's so hard to see in the midst of everything. So during this time, let us just stop and focus and think about what, what you would have for us. And, and, and that you're an amazing father. You love us so much that you gave your only son and displayed how, how great love is that you lay your life down for your friends, and that's us. When we don't follow through, you always do. And so, God, um, for the remainder of this time, just get me out of the way and get all of us out of the way. And let us just feel your love. And for some of us here and for some of us watching online, God, we may just, we may just need a, a hug from, from our daddy. Just your ever-loving arms wrapped around us. So whatever you have, God, right now, just, just give us your love and make it more real to us than ever before. In Christ's name we pray. 
as your spirit is on these gifts that we now give in response to the many blessings that we have. God, display your love further in this world and in our community. In Christ's name, amen.
touch on the scripture lesson today, so I just figured we'd go ahead and pick that up. Melinda's going to bring it back up um, when, we, when we talk about that in the sermon, and um, we'll go ahead from there. So how's everybody doing today? All right, here we go. Good. We are um, going to talk about this is crazy love, and um, we've, uh, we've made a journey. How many, uh, are you enjoying the uh, small groups in crazy love? It's a, really, really a, good, a good thing. So um, we're going to start today by doing a couple different things, and one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to do a test. We're going we're gonna to do a trivia test today, okay? Does that sound good? That's what I got planned, so you're going to have to deal with it anyway. So, um, uh, and uh, this sermon's really kind of interesting. I will tell you, I thought I had everything set, and God decided to shift stuff in the middle of the night. So we'll see where we head here. But, um, but of planning for this sermon, I started to come up with, um, I started to think about crazy love, and I started to think about love songs. Anybody, anybody have a love song? How many of you um, have a love song, you and your significant other? Anybody? Okay, did you maybe have played at your wedding? Anybody got Luther Vandross? No Luther Vandross? Okay, just checking. Um, okay, so what we're going to do, and you have, you have your bulletin, and you can get out a pen, okay, or pencil, because we're going to test and see how good you are at love songs. Don't blurt it out. If you do, we'll kick you out, um, and um, you'll go to the, the Haven Jail. But what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and see if you can name that tune and name the artist. Ooh, yeah, it's getting good now. I'm not playing today, all right? Okay, so, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to play some of these. So um, get your pen, get, and you, you have some space on the bulletin down at the bottom that you won't need to write something else. Um, but there will be several different ones, and um, there, I'm going to give you clips from them. Don't blurt it out. If you do, we've got bouncers, right? Okay, so are, is everybody ready? Okay, you ready? Okay, Melinda, will you play these? That don't you cheat, Jen. Yeah. 
Him. voice you need to leave the planet. that on your iPod, don't you, man? Yeah. Unchained Melody by who? The Righteous Brothers. There you go. All right. Um, next one. Puppy Love by? Donny Osmond. There you go. Good job. Yeah. Going old school. We know how old you are. All right. Um, then number four. By? Aretha Franklin. There you go. A young Aretha Franklin. And then? My Heart Will Go On by? Celine Dion, there we go, all right. Then, My Girl by Temptations, there we go. And then, Endless Love by and Diana Ross, all right. Not the Luther and the Mariah Carey version, no, okay. And then this one, I said you needed to leave the planet. I Will Always Love You by... Whitney Houston, what an incredible voice. Just a tragic loss, all right? The next one is number nine. One Direction, One Thing. I, how come I didn't hear any older voices on that one, all right? Um, and then this one, number 10. I Can't Help Falling in Love You by Elvis. There we go. And then number 11. Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, all right? Um, and then number 12, More Than Words by Extreme. There we go. Yes. Saying One of the best harmonies. And then last but not least, number 13, by 
Percy Sledge, there we go, not Michael Bolton. If you, how many of you got all of them right? How many of you got uh, 10 right? How many of you got any right? <laughs> all right, there we go. All right. I got them all right, just to let you know, okay? What? None? Wow. Okay. So there are several love songs. There have been love songs all over time. Some of the other ones. Uh, I could have put Chicago in there. Hard Habit to Break and You're the Inspiration. I could have put a Journey song. Open Arms, right? We have these. I could have put Berlin, Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Phil Collins in that horrible song, You've Got a Groovy Kind of Love. All right? You too, with or without you. Um, What do we have? Mr. Big, just to be the next to be with you. Cindy Lauper, True Colors. Um, how about this? Millie Vanilli, girl, you know it's true, all right? <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, there's so many others that we could go through in, in time. And I have listened to some of the most cheesiest love songs this last week in my life. And I came across one that I'm going to play one more clip from that I think is one of the most cheesiest ones of my lifetime. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you a hint. It's from the movie Robin Hood. Here you go. But it's cheesy, Brian Adams. Ready, listen to this. Here we go. You know it's true. Everything I do. Ready, listen to this. Such passion. Now, maybe it's the Kevin Costner factor as Robin Hood in there. I don't know. Call it that. But, but listen to these words. Yeah, I would fight for you, I'd lie for you, I'd walk a wire for you, whatever that means. Um, I'd die for you, you know it's true, everything I do, oh, i do it for you. Everything I do, darling, you, you will see it's true, you will see it's true, yeah. Search your heart and your soul, I can't tell you that it's not worth dying for, it's not worth trying for. i walk for the fire for you, i walk on a wire for you, again. Um, you know it's true that everything I do, oh... I think he had indigestion. Went, I'll do it for you, okay? Um, what is it about these love songs? Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to put uh, silly love songs in there by Paul McCartney. That would have worked. But there are so many things that we talk about love songs. And love songs get to the heart of so many things. Um, and, and we do crazy stuff for love. We often do crazy things for love. I, I was looking um, yesterday, and I actually found some, some love notes I wrote to Melissa. And if I talk to her and she lets me talk about some of these, um, it was pretty sappy. Um, and so I won't release them. They're sealed now forever. Uh, but anyway, um, but you know, when, when someone loves, is in love, and when, when you love someone, it's easy to lavish your love on them, Right? It's easy to do that stuff and when they do that. But how many of you have ever been in love with someone and they just didn't return that? Is it easy to continue to lavish that love on someone right and left? And, you know, one of the things I started thinking about in this concept of God's love for us, God's crazy love, if you spent time in church, you know and you have heard that God loves us and God loves you. How many have heard that before? Okay, you hear that. Um, and many of you may have learned the song from a very early age. Jesus loves me, this I know. 
Right, there you go. See, now I got you in the singing mood now. You guys are singing all day. Um, girl, you know it's true. Um, but think about that concept. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And yet, in much of my life, I've lived in an aspect that I know Jesus loves me because I've been told, because the Bible tells me, but it's a lot different than knowing that Jesus loves me because I've brought that from my head to my heart. And I've experienced it completely in my life. And I often believe that many of us in the body of Christ, in the church, have misunderstood God's love. Often many of us have related God's love to something, to something or someone in, in the body. We may have had someone who was a church person, who was a long-term church person, who didn't display a very loving person, and that we relate God's love to this very fearful love. I know many people who have gone to Catholic school, right? Anybody gone to Catholic school? Did you experience like the fear of God? And, you're, and it shaped your image of God and religion. Many of us didn't have to go to that. We may have had a family member, a father who did anything but pass off love, or a mother who was so ruthless, but then when it came time for church, she was smiling and everything was hunky-dory. But the love of God is mixed up in there. And so we, we have God as this fearful, we're fearful of God, that we believe God is just looking to wait till we mess up to strike us in the head with a lightning bolt or cause our life problems. Like when stuff goes bad, and you can hear how people believe about the love of God, when stuff's going a little bit bad, they start to say, oh my gosh, I don't know what I did to God to make this happen. I don't know why God hates me so much. You see, God is more trustworthy than anyone or anything we can ever imagine. And you know, through, uh, throughout our lives, and you've heard me say it, and I believe it's important, don't hear me dismiss this, to, uh, to have a daily time with God. And that's important. That is important. But if you're sometimes like me, and life hits, or you just don't feel well, or you're just lazy, and something happens, you don't get that daily time with God, you feel guilty. You feel this guilt level here. And in, in Crazy Love, uh, Francis Chan put this uh, statement down, and I think it's important to see. Over time, I realized that when we love God, we naturally run to him frequently and zealously. It's not about making sure that I have to have that time with God. That's important, but it's the heart that I just want to run, run to God, that I want to spend time with God. I want to be with him a, a lot of times because I love him and I want to experience with him. You see, this time with God is not to be a guilt-written thing or something that I do so I make myself feel good so I don't have the weight of guilt. It's something that I should desire to be with God more than anything ever. Now, we've all messed up or misunderstood God's love. We have, not many of us, I think, can find a commonality and a difficulty in understanding, comprehending, believing, or even accepting God's absolute and unlimited love for us. You see, we're not told to, by Jesus, he never said, um, make sure that you spend daily time with God. But what he did say was this in Matthew. He said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, your mind and your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. What we learn here is this is an outpouring of God's love that when we, when we love him with everything that we have, and we're good at singing it, but we're good at living it. 
But see, that's the first commandment. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the first one is this. And the other one in the message version says, is alongside it. And it's this. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, in looking at this and trying to figure out the best biblical example of God's love given toward us, we responding back and displaying God's love in the world, I came to one of my favorite stories of Scripture. If I could only have one section of Scripture to take with me for my life, and they said, what do you need? I believe this has absolutely everything in it. And we're going to go, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And Melinda is going to go ahead and put that up on the screen for us right now. I know you need to switch over, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at this and I'm going to read it. It is known as the prodigal son. And uh, Charles Dickens said that this is the, the greatest thing ever. This section is the greatest writing ever. Okay. And many scholars say the whole gospel, everything you need is right here in this section. And we're going to really look at the love of God. And I, I tell you, many times when I've read this, I've focused on the lost son. I've done that. That I'm the lost son, I focus on. But this time I want you to focus on the father's love. Just focus on the father's love here. So it says, Jesus was talking to Pharisees. And Jesus continued. And this section has um, three different, uh, several different areas of lost stuff. A lost coin, lost sheep, other kinds of things here. And... Um, at this section here, what we're dealing with is we're, we're going to deal with the uh, prodigal son or the lost son that it may be written in your, um, your Bible. So here we go. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out, and he hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed pigs. Just to let you know, that's not a good job for a Jewish boy. Not a good job for a Jewish boy. Right? He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Do you realize how low he has gone? He can't, that pig slop looks good to him, and he can't even get a morsel of pig slop. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I will say to him. So look at what he's doing. He's beginning to practice what he's gonna say. Okay, I messed up. Anybody ever messed up? You messed up in a relationship and you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say, I'm really sorry. And, and, you know, you're the best. You're awesome. I'm not. I'm a slug. Okay. You know, you do that kind of stuff. So he's rehearsing this. And listen to what he says. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, can't you see it? Yeah, the father every day is just looking for a son. Every day, looking. Every day. And you see the boy. Father, I've sinned against you. I'm a slug. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, he's doing that. And while he's still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said, here he goes. He starts, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer going to be called your son. And your father says, But that, I mean, 
father said to his servants, don't listen to him. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on and bring a ring and, uh, and put on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Not a greater parable in the entire scripture in my, in my opinion. And so what I want to do right now is I wanted to go ahead and give you the best example of the Father's love in Scripture. And we're going to talk about this. Number one, what do we learn from this story? Often we love the stuff of God rather or more than we love the person of God. So often we love God, and part of our, this is as part of our view of who God is, that many times we look at God as like a spiritual Santa Claus. Or we look at God as a drive-thru where we pull up and say, hi, um, this is Jack, um, this is my prayer time, um, I would like this, this, and this, and could you throw in a side of fries with it? And, and we do that, and God goes, yes, I'll get to you right now, Jack. That's what we think. That's what we think God is. And so we love the stuff of God. We love the blessings of God. We love the healing of God. We love the, the power of God. We love everything that God has. We love, the word, uh, we love the word of God, and we like all that. But often we don't just love God. And we, and we don't look at how we do that. Look at what the younger one said to his father. Right off the bat, he says to his dad, Dad, give me my share of the, the estate and the heirs. In other words, he's telling his father, I love your stuff more than I love you, and the only way I'm going to get that is if you die. You ain't dying soon. I want my stuff. And so often in life, we say, God, I want my stuff. I want the gifts that you want to give me. I want all that stuff, but I don't want to give that love back in return. I want my stuff, and I want to do what I want to do. And so the younger one is, and, we, and I've always looked at him like this. Imagine, now remember I said, imagine being the dad. I'm just thinking, imagine my kids come to me one day and say, Dad, you know what? Give me what I'm going to get when you're dead. Which is going to be like, let me get some lint. There you go. All right? Because um, it's about the same thing you're going to get now. Nothing. All right? You know? And so, but imagine if I had been, I said, I want you to give me, I, I, I want what I, when you're dead. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for you to die. I would be ticked off. And they better run really fast. You know what I mean? Is anybody going to be comfortable with your child telling you that? Imagine what that felt to the father. His boys who he loved and he took care of and he he nurtured, they were his entire life. That one of them says to him, I like your stuff, but I don't love you. I want the stuff. We do this all the time to God. I love the stuff that you give me, God, but I'm not too keen on you. I don't like you interfering with my life. I don't like you not letting me do what I want to do, what I think I should do in life. Just leave me alone. Just give me that stuff, but not you. And then look what he does. It says, the next thing, and I'll let you fill this in, when love is selfish, which this is, we get what we want from God, and we go where we want from God. How many of you have ever had spiritual track shoes where you ran from God? Anybody? Where you just, you know, it might have been a sprint. You might have been like Jonah. You got in a boat. You got somewhere else. You tried to get away from God's calling on your life. And you ended up vomiting on the beach somewhere, right? 
After he talked to his dad, look at what it says. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. I'm going to tell you something that you may not hear in church. He had a fun time. He had the best time of his life at that moment for a while. He had friends. He had people that loved him, that were around him. He's throwing money everywhere. He's having a blast. He's the life of the party. He's on TMZ, right? He's just loving it and having a, a, a big time. He's not thinking once about the father, but each and every day the father's still thinking about him. Each and every day the father's looking for his boy to come back. Even though the boy broke his heart and crushed him, he's saying, I love him and I'm waiting for him to come back. I'm waiting for him to come back. He's looking for him and looking for him and looking for him and looking for him and looking more and more and more and more and more for him. We don't know how long the son was gone, but we definitely know that the daddy looked every single day. You see, because he was living, and let's face it, sin is fun at times. I'm not going to candy coat it here. Sin is fun sometimes or else we wouldn't do it. Am I right? And I dare for you right now, I'm going to take you to the darkest point of your life. Think of the worst sin and you did. It was fun at the time. Am I right? But the problem is this, number three. When we settle for a reckless life, it will always lead to disappointment and ruin. Always. It will always. When we settle for this wild, reckless life that this boy had, it will always lead to disappointment and ruin. If you look and continue on in the next couple chapters, it says, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, isn't it interesting? He had everybody around him when he was the life of the party and could throw money around. And when he was there and everything was good, but now he has nothing and there's nobody around him. He began to be in need. A reckless life will leave you wanting and needing in life. All that stuff that you put your faith into and your life into will leave you disappointed and ruined. And so what he says, I got to do something. So he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him out in the fields to feed the pigs. And you can imagine, this is a Gentile group, and by him, with Jesus sharing, him being a Jewish boy, I joked about it, but it's serious. You are not to be around pigs. He is so unclean in his life. His life is such a wreck that he's hanging out with the most defiled animal in Jewish tradition. And all he wants to do is crawl up next to them and get a little bit of the food and the slop that they eat. Now, if I look around the room, and if we're honest with ourselves, some of us have been in those positions before. But guess what? The father's still looking, still loving, still hoping for his son to return. No matter how defiled and disgusting he has been, I have heard from people year in and year out that, you, Jack, you, you don't understand. I'm, I've, you don't understand what I've done. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care what you've done. And guess what? It doesn't matter what I do, think about it. Here's what I want to tell you. God doesn't care what you've done. He just cares that you're his child and he wants to clean you up and bring you back into the house. That's the father's love. So he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But still, each and every day, the father's seeking, looking, hoping, wishing 
Sounds like I'm singing that song, hoping, wishing, thanking, another love song. It's been a long week of love songs, okay? Still hoping that he would be there. And he comes to his senses and says, go home. I can be a hired hand. You see, now, now look at the difference of the father's love here. Because the son recognized, I messed up. So I can go back as a hired hand. Because even, and slavery as horrible as it was, even slavery in that day, you were considered part of the family. As a hired servant, you were not. And so he knew he couldn't be a slave. He said, I'll go back as a hired hand because I'm not worthy to be part of the, fa- the family anymore. But the father said, oh, no, no. You are family. And look at this leads us to the next one. Next one says, God's love is seeking, running, and forgiving. Look what it says here in verse 15. uh, Yeah, 15 and on. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now I got to tell you, anybody seen a grown man run full speed? It ain't a pretty sight. You know what I mean? Like, you ever seen like a dad run after a kid? It's like, it's like awful. Because like, even if you played sports at one time, like you could, take, you could take the best running back in football and say, go run after them after they've been retired for a couple years. It ain't pretty, right? And so you, but you do that. How many of you ever run after a kid? And if somebody has it on video, it's hilarious, right? And, and so you do those things. Um, and if you're like running around looking for somebody, it could be, I remember one time Jacob made me mad. He was like, I should have known he was fast then. He made me mad and I decided to chase him and he took off running and he was faster than me like when he was, 11, 10, 11, and he's running. I'm running around the house chasing him. That would have been the most ridiculous thing if anybody filmed me running around my house saying, when I catch you, I'm going to get you. But there's no way I'm going to catch him. But I'm running, and I'm huffing and puffing. I'm like, uh, boy, uh, uh, boy, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get it. Can somebody get me oxygen? You know, I mean, grown men don't look good running around in like this, Right? And here's the father. He sees his boy. He's like, whoa! (laughs) Right? He starts running. He didn't care what anybody thought. His boy was home. He's still a long way off. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. And his son began to say that. And he said, shush, shush, shush. Go on, let's throw a party. Get him some clean clothes. My boy's back. But dad, I should be in the... No, 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 you're my boy. And I love you. We're going to kill that fatted calf. We're going to have a party. You thought Thanksgiving was good? It's time. It's time. It's time to celebrate my son who was gone. His home. You see, God has a love for us that we can't understand. God has a love for us that we just don't know. And I left one thing out, which I'm going to put in here now. I told you God was mixing this back and forth. And I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Because remember, there were two sons. Right? There's two. And the father has been looking day in and day out for this other one. Meanwhile, well, the other one's doing the, the work of the father. And he's there. And as we get back here, he went back. Meanwhile, in verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, so he's out there doing the work for his daddy, and he comes near, and he hears dancing and singing, and heard the fatted calf had been killed. So he called one of the servants, he said, what's going on? He said, oh, 
your brother has come. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And I tell you, we have spent 2,000 years beating this guy up, but I don't blame him one bit. I'd be ticked off too. I'd be mad. And I would respond much the same way. So the father went out and pleaded with his son, come on, come on in. Come on and party. He said, look. He said, no. Look, all these years I've been star- slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, and he won't even call him his brother, when that son of yours comes in, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? You give him the best thing? You have a Thanksgiving meal for him? And I've been here all along, and you don't give me a McDonald's cheeseburger? Which also wouldn't be kosher, so don't worry about it. He said, my son... You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. Listen to Father's love. Father's not saying, I don't love you any less or any more. I love you both immensely. But we had to celebrate because he was dead, and now he's alive. You see, one of the things I didn't put up there, and you can write it in, there will always be a brother. There will always be somebody that when the Father loves you and lavishes you with his love, and you've been living in the pig pen for years, There will always be a brother that will want to challenge the limits of God's love. But the Father has no limits to his love. The Father loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. And it's amazing. It's an amazing love. God kind of had me take a term here because I'm looking at this whole thing. That there's someone who's always challenging you that you cannot be forgiven. Um loved or prized or cared for by God because of what you've done. And so, you know, in taking a good look at my actions, I said, I I can, I can pick out the other brothers in my life over the years, but often I've, I've spent some time this week in, in the lens of the love of the father in saying, where have I been the older brother? Where have I been the older brother that I've tried to eliminate God's love? Because as I look back to Matthew It says that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the older brother. He stayed put and did that. But the key element of displaying God's love was that he should have greeted his brother as warmly as the father did when he came back. And many of us may be good at talking about the the one point, but living out not particularly the ones that we don't know in other areas and giving, and, and, and we are very awesome about doing that, but I'm talking about the ones who wronged you. I'm talking about the ones who said they wished that your daddy was dead. I'm talking the ones who blasphemed your daddy in heaven. Do you want to run and grab them around the neck? I'm talking about the ones who talked about you and treated you bad and the people who have been angry and, and nasty to you and stabbed you in the back and said all kinds of things about you. Are you really willing that if they came back to the Father in his love that you're willing to grab them around the neck and kiss them too? That's the Father's love. And he says, this is how you show love that You love me with everything that you have, and you love your neighbor as yourself. So won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) See, I'm going to take you to John 17 really quickly. I know it's, um, you know, like I said, God had me bouncing around a lot. And in John 17, let me get the scripture lesson here. In John 17, um, Jesus is, is in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples right before he's getting ready to 
wind down. And um, in verse 18, he, he's praying. And, and let's start in verse 15. He says, my prayer is not to, to God that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as not I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And then listen to where he says. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they may too be truly sanctified. Now listen to where we go here. The prayer is not for them alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This verse weirds me out because it makes no sense. And there's two phrases there that really, really mess with me. And the first one is this, just as. Just as. When he says, and I know John 17 is about unity. I know that it's about unity. But he says, my prayer is not for them alone, blah, blah, blah. Um, that all of them, he said, in, I, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, here it is. Just as you are in me and I am in you. And I believe it's more than just, oh God, can they just all be one denomination? Oh God, can they all just get along? You know, oh God, can they all just stop bickering? Or, or God, can we all just agree to what color the, the, the carpet is in the sanctuary? It, it's, it's more than that. Or what version of the Bible that we should read and all that kind of stuff. It's more than that because he says that they may be one just as you and I are one. He wants us as the body of Christ, as believers, to be one just like he is with his daddy. Now I want you to stop right now and think how close God is to Jesus. That's what he wants for the church. How are we doing? How are we doing as a church? And, and here's the worst, the next part. So that the world will know through us, through our oneness, our unique unity that the world will know us this way. Now, I gotta tell you, that makes no sense to me because I'm thinking, God, if you want the world to know that you, that God sent you and have them believe in you, let me do some awesome miracles. Let me fly around this room right now like Superman with a cape on. It would be really cool. Let me do that. Let, let's, let a lot of these prophecies that are here directly come out and people say, oh my gosh, that's word for word in the Bible. Not that unity and togetherness will tell the world that to believe in you? That sometimes really doesn't make sense to me. What about you? Not at all. It doesn't make sense. So that. So that. So that we are perfectly one. I and them and you and me. So that they may be brought into complete unity. Perfectly one. Complete unity. So that. That makes no sense to me. When I have experienced how church and life and Christianity and faith and denominations and, you know, 
you can go on and on how this world exists. It makes no sense to me that God says this is how the world will believe through your unity when we have such disunity. Because I'm supposed to be together with him as he is the father. Now, I got I to gotta get something. I left this in the closet here. Hold tight. Um, don't worry. Just calm down. I'm, let me see here. And I had, I had my, my son help me with this. Judah. All right. So I want to take you to, uh, put that there, okay? Mm-hmm. Hold on. All right. Um, he made a little door on it too. See? You're like, what is that? Don't worry, we're going to talk about it in a second. All right. So um, I, want, I want to go to, um, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. I don't, even, I don't even think you have it on there, Melinda, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something from um, 1 Peter, if I can find it. Yeah, here we go. And th- holding on to this unity thing, I want you to listen. As you come to him, the living stone, or the capstone, the cornerstone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house or a temple to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in the New Testament, we often talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit as us. Yet, it's also a plural when they talk about you are the temple. Plural. This is singular. And often in my life, I'm kind of like this. You see, we're, we're living stones. This is a Lego. And, you know, sometimes in my life, I want to stand out on my own. I want to do this faith journey on my own. I want to be here on my own. And so, but meanwhile, we have the temple. That's Judah's temple. Isn't it cute? And you can get, if you can zoom in there, I'll hold it there like that. All right. This is the temple. And what we've learned from this thing, you come to him, the living stone, the cornerstone. He made a different color there. There we go. Thanks, Judah. Um, the cornerstone, which, ev- which formed and shaped back then, the cornerstone was the best stone because it gave the shape to everything else, the whole structure. It was the most important stone. So as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God, you also like living stones that what we have here is we have the prophets. We have the um, we have the, uh, the disciples. We have uh, people today. Every Christian is to be built together, one, on the, uh, one upon another. And, you know, sometimes, like, I say, I want to stand out. I want to be the one up top. I want to be the one that everybody looks to. Here we go. Here I am. Look at me. Sometimes I just want to be on the side here. Sometimes I just want to be hanging out at the front door. But when we look at the temple in the Old Testament, because God is consistent, the temple in the Old Testament, that when it was built, fire fell and filled the whole place. And the Spirit of God was so powerful in that area that it couldn't move. I take you back to Pentecost. Pentecost, where they were all what? Together in one place. The unity was together. And what happened? The Holy Spirit fell and filled the whole place. And it changed the world. The Father's love for us is unconditional, but our love must be one of unity together. Because he prayed that we may be one as he and the Father are one. That's a big task for us to achieve. The foundation of prophets and apostles, that I can be part of this living 
temple known as the body of Christ is such an awesome blessing and an incredible responsibility that I have to choose to do, to display the love that I receive from God to so many people. So I'm winding this down. I'm going to give you three really quick things. I said three, okay? All right. How do I get back to the Father? How do I get back home? How do I get back there? A couple things that we learned. Number one, realize. He came to his senses. He came to his senses. There's somebody watching today who says, Jack, I've done all this stuff. I feel like the prodigal. But the father, the daddy is still there waiting for you. He's waiting to run. He's waiting to run and hug you and kiss you. Realize the prodigal came to his senses. And sometimes, aren't you just tired in life from running from what God's called you to do? Aren't you just tired of running from God? And then if you get that done pretty well, you can do the other thing. Repent. And I got to tell you, that's a churchy word that carries a lot of weight. When we hear repent, we're like, oh, no, repent. No, no, repent. No. Like you need a kick in the rear end with it. Repent and boom. Let's drag you through the parking lot five times. He's repenting, you know. Um, it has that weight to it. But repent is one of the most grace-filled concepts that God has ever given us. It's a chance to say, I messed it up and I'm not God. It's a chance to say, I, I, I don't deserve your love. I don't, it's, it's a chance to be the prodigal and start to come home and you practice and say, God, I've done this. He says, shush, shush. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Repentance is an awesome, grace-filled thing. Stop talking about it. Like, repent, boom, you know? It's a blessing from God that we can repent because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the last thing that we do is return. How do we return? You give up and start to head home. You take that one baby step back toward God, and guess what? The father starts running at you. He runs right to you and hugs you. Ah, you're home. Woo, you're home. Yeah. Party, he's home. And scripture backs that up even more so by saying when one person repents of their sin, accepts Jesus, all of heaven throws a party. Throw a party today in heaven. Turn around and come back to the Father. Amen? When you do these things, come on up, praise team. When you do these things, these last three things, you get the Father to run. And if you want to see your daddy run, start doing them. Start doing them. Stand up. I got to tell you, as a father, my kids are the greatest blessing and the biggest headaches in life. Any parents agree? But there is nothing, nothing that they could ever do. Nothing ever that could take the love I have for them away. Not one thing. You know, churches are good about giving rules and regulations and things and saying that, oh, you shouldn't love them. You should always love your kids. You know why? Because my daddy always loves me. Always has, always will. I've done some running. I've been vomited on some beaches. But I can tell you one thing. My daddy loves me. Just takes one step and you can send him running. Send him running. Let's pray. Lord God, I just want to come to you today. I'm just going to say, Daddy. Daddy, thank you that you are looking. And I believe today there's somebody in this room, somebody watching online that says, you know what? I've been living maybe not as bad as the prodigal, but I've been running my own life. 
I've taken the blessings you've given to me, God, and I've said, yeah, yeah, I like them, but I'm not going to come and serve you. I'm not going to go ahead and be active in you. I'm going to keep you as an aspect of my life. And then when I need you, Daddy, I may come home a little bit here and there. But, but now their lives are maybe falling apart. Maybe they're headed in an area and they don't see it, but right now maybe they're in the, the wild living. Maybe they're just in a good life. But eventually they need to return. And I, help, I hope that they see you. I hope that they see you with your arms there, pacing across heaven, just saying, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? When are you coming home? And God, may they just go ahead and run to you. Run to you. How deep is your love for us? We don't understand. God, I just, I just want to repent for the church universal that has distorted your love. That's made it conditional. That if you do this, that's said, if you follow these rules and regulations, if you act and say and do, that God, that's not the Father's love as I read it. Father's love is, I want you back home. So today, God, I pray for everybody here as our, as our Stephen ministers and are up here to pray and as we hear this, that we will just focus on your love for us because it's crazy. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that, that we should, that you pray that we may have, be one as you and the Father are one, Jesus, that you, you two are, are one. That's a big deal. It makes no sense. But you want unity, so you want us to receive your love, unconditional love, and give that elsewhere. Help us work on that. Help us be a church that just shows the world the unity of the Father and the Son. Whatever it is, God, we just open this time to you. And ask that your Holy Spirit just move in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss the Father turned His face away As wounds which Mother Chosen One Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross my sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is
not boasting anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His and resurrection Why should I gain from his reward I cannot give an answer But this I know with all my heart His words have made my ransom Why should I gain from his reward can I give an answer? But this I know with all my heart. His words have paid my ransom. But this I know with all my heart. His words have paid my ransom. I love that song. I, we were we were practicing the other night, and it just popped in, in our heads. And I said, I, I want I love to hear that. How deep the Father's love for us. How deep is the Father's love for you today? I hope that today, if anything, I was able to just help share a little bit of light on how deep God loves you, and how much He wants us to love others. It's right there, on there. Next week. Okay, we're going to continue. So hopefully, if you haven't connected to a small group, you can still do so. Um, it's a great opportunity to connect um, further. Um, but next week, we're going to have the gospel according to lukewarm. Okay, so we're going to talk about that next week. So have an awesome week, and may you have the love of the God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week.